Good morning, everybody. Amen. As you're as you're sitting there, I want you if you know the if you remember the song, sing along with me real quick. It, it just I woke up with it on my heart today. It's a it's so old. It, uh, anyone in here remember Dottie Rambo? There's a few of you that remember Dottie Rambo. That's, she was around quite some time ago. Oh, I believe she's still around. I think. I believe she's still with us, but <laughs> but it was we used to sing it when I was a kid in church as Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. If you know it, sing it with me. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace. Thou art welcome in this place. It's an easy song. Everyone sing it with me now. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Omnipotent Father of mercy and grace you are welcome in this place father i pray that you just move in our hearts put your word and your spirit deep in our hearts plant it there today allow us to begin to experience you in such a tangible way in such a real way that it becomes life-changing and it becomes so solid and evident within our own life we just praise you. Have your perfect way today in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. amen. Man, I'm glad to be here in church today. I'm glad to see all your faces. So I'm particularly glad. I just, from, from the drum, I was glad I actually had a chance to kind of get behind Mark Sneed there because from the drums, I just looked over at Mark and thought he was being patriotic. I said, look at that. He's got a nice patriotic shirt. But it's even more patriotic than I realized because that not only is a button-down shirt, it's got Macho Man Randy Savage all over it. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, man. It's not every day you see a button-down Macho Man Randy Savage shirt. That hey, that was a blessing to me. <laughs> Howard says he's never seen one. That may be the first button-down Macho Man shirt I've seen. Oh man. <laughs> uh, good morning, everybody. Woo, it's a miracle. I can see now. Now I can see that macho man shirt. Uh, we're going to talk today uh, once again about Pentecost. First of all, happy birthday. Today is a celebration. Pentecost Sunday is the celebration of the birth of the New Testament church, of which you are all a part of if you are true believers in Christ. Not, well, not that you just believe in Christ, but that you actually believe Christ. That's really the key, isn't it? Well, yeah, I believe in God. Well, don't, but do you believe God? Sure, I believe in Jesus, but do you believe him? Is there a real relationship with him? Or is it just, uh, you know, uh, uh, is, is he your favorite football team? You know, you know what I mean? We got a lot of, the, the, the modern day church is full of Jesus fans, but not true disciples. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we all show, it's just, it's like the way we treat our favorite pro football team, right? You tune in on Sunday and you cheer and you get excited. And if they win, yay. If they lose, okay. 
then the rest of the week you go about your life. And that's how a lot of us treat uh, our, quote, faith. You know, hey, you know, I did, my, I did my deed on Sunday. You know, I got up. And really, Sunday is just really supposed to be, you know, we talked about it in men's Bible study yesterday. Uh, Sunday's kind of the family reunion. Sunday's the pep rally. That's when we all get to come together, connect, uh, rub shoulders and elbows, as they say. Literally, the last year, we have been rubbing elbows, haven't we? Uh, you know, fortunately, that's all starting to lift and, and whatnot, but, but uh, and the Lord's getting us on the other side of all this mess. But, but at the same time, uh, it's really the day in and day out walk and journey is what it's all about. And learning, learning that God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. That means he's always with you, ever-present help. Jesus said, I'll stick closer than a brother. Now, I don't know what your relationship with your siblings were. My brother and I, we were, we were tight. I mean, we could go two and three months without even chatting on the phone, but then, you know, we get one phone call, and it's as if we just got through talking 30 minutes prior, and we just picked up where we left off. We were pretty tight, and uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord. But I tell you what, the Lord has never left me. He's, he's been closer than a brother, and I've learned throughout my years to walk with him daily, to acknowledge him in all my ways, I'm not saying that I'm some spiritual giant, because I'm not. I'm just Dave Butler. But man, is he a giant in my life. Is he big in my life? And he steers me. He gives me faith, sometimes in crazy things. Sometimes folks are like, are you, have you lost your mind, Dave? No, I've, I lost my mind years ago, and that's, that was kind of a good thing. But, but I'm doing my best to walk with the mind of Christ. And that's what I want everyone to get out of Pentecost Sunday today, uh, what we're gonna what we're gonna jump into, uh, the the um, what what was so exciting. Uh, I, first of all, let me just say the last two weeks. I don't I don't know if anyone gleaned anything out of the last two weeks of studying and, and doing a deep dive into kind of the the Jewish roots uh, the, or the Old Testament roots of Pentecost. But man, I did. I had a blast. So. So if, if you guys just allowed myself to get up there and entertain me and get excited over things I'd been studying, thank you. Uh, but what it did for me, you know, Paul said that we are grafted into uh, this, this covenant with Abraham. We've been brought into this covenant of Abraham. Uh, Jesus even said that. And then, and then Paul goes on to say that we are spiritual Jews. And man, we really are. When, when you understand Pentecost and, and you know, from, from the crucifixion to Pentecost, what exactly it entails in our life. And how it lines up with so much stuff that they, that they practiced and, and uh, you know, all the patterns from the Old Testament. And it, man, what, our salvation is so rooted. This has been his plan from the foundations of the earth. That he would think so much about his salvation with you, his relationship with you. That he would allow generations to practice a culture over and over and over. So that when he did step on the scene, we could go, aha, yes, I get it. And... Uh, and then he winds up empowering us. Pentecost actually deals with a promise. Here's my clicker. It deals with a promise. And let's talk about that promise. We're going to hop to Acts chapter 1, okay? Acts chapter 1. Now, Pentecost takes place. Kate read it at the top of the service. It takes place in Acts chapter 2. We're going we're to backtrack just slightly, okay? So we've made it almost to the day of Pentecost. Christ has been crucified, buried, resurrected, he hung out for 40 days, and, and then he's, these are his last moments before he leaves. And he starts giving them 
some instructions, okay? So we're going to build on top of the last two weeks. If you weren't here over the last two weeks, I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the podcast. They won't take a whole lot of time, but it'll give you some great foundation into what we're going to launch into today, okay? So, so what takes place, he's about to be, he's about to be ascended. He's about, to, he's about to leave, right? He's already been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's still working miracles for 40 days, and he's about to leave, but he's given some last-minute instructions to his disciples, right? And while being in their company and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Everyone say promise. Promise. There's something that's been promised to us. We We want to get to it. Of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John... Now, he's talking about John the Baptist, right? Everyone remember John the Baptist prior to Jesus coming. John the Baptist had been baptizing people. He said, John, John baptized with water, but not many days from now you shall be baptized with or in place, placed in or introduced into the Holy Spirit. So he's saying, John baptized you with water. Now, we've learned here over the, you know, the last year that, that baptism comes from the Greek word baptismo, which means to bury or to immerse or to cover or to disappear into, right? So he said, John baptized you or buried you with water, but not many days from now, you're going to be buried or covered or immersed into the Holy Spirit. Now, this was significant. This was not necessarily a new term for, for, the, for these Jews. Folks, even in the Old Testament, there were times that the Holy Spirit would come upon someone and God would empower them to do something mighty or to proclaim something mighty or to sing something mighty or prophesy something mighty. Matter of fact, I just read in 1 Samuel this week when, when uh, Saul was angry at David and, and he was wanting to go kill David and he heard that David had been hanging out with these priests. Well, he went to the priests and the priests were in the middle of praying and prophesying in the presence of God. And it said that Paul, here's Paul. Paul has murder on his mind, right? He's got evil deeds and evil plans swirling in his head. He shows up and the presence of God was so strong, it said that the Holy Spirit came upon him and he fell flat on his face and started prophesying, right? So it's not as if the Holy Spirit was some new concept for these guys. They just knew that at certain moments, the Holy Spirit would come upon certain people. But yet now Jesus is like, hey, I want you to go wait because, you know, we all got baptized by John, but pretty soon you're going to be buried or immersed into the Holy Spirit. So these guys were thinking, well, wait a minute, that only happens to a few folks. But now he's telling us all to go wait, right? Then on verse 8, he goes on to say, but ye shall, you shall receive power. That means ability, efficiency, and might. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends, the very bounds of the earth. And when he had said this, even as they were looking at him, he was caught up and a cloud received him and carried him away out of their sight. So just the last instructions he had before he ascended, before he like took off, was I want you to go back. Don't you leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise that the Father has promised. The promise. What is it? He said, well, you remember, John baptized you with water. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive so much power. Power for what? Well, the immediate thing is this. You're going to become witnesses. You know, a lot of people say, oh, I, I'm too embarrassed. Or I'm too ashamed. I don't even know how to share my faith. How do I do it or what? He said, no, you're going to be empowered to be, bear witness of me 
First of all, in Jerusalem, now if, to put it in modern day vernacular, if he was telling it to us, he'd say, you would, you would receive power to share your story, to, to be bear witness of me right here in, in Viridian, and then in Arlington, H-E-B area, and then all of Texas, and then all, all over the world. You're going to be that empowered. Okay, that's, that's what he was communicating to them. So, now notice, this is, this is interesting, because Jesus, right before he left, talks about, hey, you remember John the Baptist? He, he baptized you with water, but you're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, look at what John the Baptist, just a few years prior, in Matthew 3, before Jesus hit the scene, he said this, John the Baptist speaking, he said, I baptize you with water, those who repent of their sins and turn to God, but someone is coming, me, coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even, I'm not worthy to even be his slave and carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. What's funny is John said the exact same thing just a few years ago. He said, hey, I'm baptizing you with water, but there's someone greater than me coming and he's going to baptize you. He's going to bury you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay. Jesus, before he left, says, hey, you remember John? He baptized you with water, but you're about to baptize, you're about to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, who was about to baptize these folks with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. John says that he's the, the Holy Spirit baptizer. He's going to cover you. That's what, I, I want everyone to let that sink in. Do you, do you remember the day that you were baptized? Do you remember, maybe it was a man or woman of God that actually got the honor of doing that? There's always this special connection. I, I will still have people that, that I baptized 20 years ago call me or con connect with me and say, or they'll introduce me sometimes if we're at some kind of wedding or funeral or ever. This, they'll say, oh, hey, this is Dave. He was the preacher that baptized me 15 years ago. You know, there's, there's that special connection that, that something wonderful and spiritual and intimate took place and you got to share it with this person. Well, just think all of the incredible inner workings and healing and empowerment that you guys get to experience. Who's the one who's standing right there with you in the midst of it all? It's Jesus. What a wonderful, intimate start to empowering his new saints, right? So let's talk about this promise. It was a promise. Everyone say promise. promise. You still with me? You hanging in there? Trust me, I'll try to bore you here in a second, but I'm not trying to bore you yet. All right, this promise was nothing new. In order to even talk about this promise, you gotta, we got to go all the way back to the prophets. All the prophets, a bunch of the prophets we're talking about. Jeremiah said, he said, he's talking about this new covenant. You remember Abraham received a covenant. Well, now God's going to make a new covenant to graft people into that, that covenant. He says, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them, and on their hearts will I write it, and I will be their God, and they will be my people, okay? So we learned two weeks ago, after the first Passover, 50 days later, was Mount Sinai, where God established his law to ratify his covenant, and he established that law with writing on tablets, and, and he, he established an outward law that were to teach his, new, his people how to worship him and how to serve each other, okay? Well, now he's like, hey, I'm going to make a new covenant, which we discovered last week was after Passover, which was also Christ's crucifixion and death, burial, resurrection. Fifty days later at Shavuot or at Pentecost, God placed his spirit and his word and his law deep within us. We don't have to follow tablets anymore. 
we've got the word of God or the law of God right here within us. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be portrayed as words. Sometimes it's just that we automatically know the right action to do and to take and how to live, right? That's a pretty intimate way of having the law of God in us. Well, it was prophesied first in Jeremiah. And then let's go on to the prophet Joel. Ooh, the batteries may be getting low in my clicker. Let's see. If this doesn't work, Maddox, I'm going to depend on you. You're going to be my, you're going to be my eyes. All right, Maddox, it's on you, right? You're my last hope. Go to the next, next slide for me, Maddox. Oh, or is the computer freezing? Oh, the computer freezing. Uh-oh. Everyone say, God bless the computer. <laughs> All right, bear with me. All right, now we'll pull it up. The prophet Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 28, says this. All right, everyone just hang with me. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 says this. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You remember, we just said up until now, the spirit of God would be poured out on certain people, right? The spirit of God would move on Samson, and he would defeat the Philistines, or the spirit of God would move on this prophet, and they would prophesy. Or the spirit of God would move on Saul, and he would proclaim the goodness of God. Well, now the prophet Joel is saying, hey, the time's going to come. I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. We've talked about that for the last two weeks, right? Hey, look at that. We're, we're back up. So everyone say, hallelujah for David. <laughs> or, oh, are you you're raising your hand saying, don't hallelujah yet? <laughs> All right. Hey, look at that. We're going to the next one. Now, look at what Isaiah says. He starts kind of giving a little hints about this future day of Pentecost or this future Shavuot. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. Will I speak to my people? Okay. So everything that took place on the day of Pentecost was not an utter shock other than the fact that they weren't expecting it. But when they started connecting the dots, they could, they could go back. Matter of fact, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, if you remember, he quoted from the prophet Joel and said, hey, these, because they, they accused everyone of being drunk. And he goes, man, look, the bars aren't even open. It's only nine in the morning. People ain't drunk. But this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's not just going to be for an elite few, but everyone Everyone who comes to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ gets to be empowered with the Spirit of God. Jesus talked about it. The Spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit, whom the world cannot see, receive, or well, that means the world can't welcome him. He can't take it, uh, take it to his heart because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be where? In you. Jesus is like, hey, you know the spirit of truth. You know the Holy Spirit because you've, he's walked with you, but he's going to be in you, okay? Think about it. Uh, think about some of the great coaches in the NFL. You know, think about the quarterback being out on the field and the coach has been shouting directions or shouting instructions. Now, a coach, can, he may actually recognize the defense, the coach may actually recognize what the other coach is trying to call. And so he's trying to communicate to this quarterback. 
Now imagine if that coach could somehow run out on the field and get inside of the body of the quarterback. Now he's got access to all the talent and all the abilities of the quarterback, but with all the football knowledge that he has. You know, that would be some major stuff. Even Tom Brady, you wouldn't even have to deflate balls in order to win football games. How about that? <laughs> Any Patriot fan, I love you. <laughs> Not your team, but you. I love you. So that's what Jesus is saying is, hey, it's not, now the Holy Spirit's not just going to coach you from the sideline, but he's going to be in you. He's going to impact you. He's going to get some control of you, right? Mark, look at this. This is interesting. Everything that happened on the day of Pentecost was already talked about from the prophets all the way up to Jesus. The ascension of Jesus that we just read about in Acts chapter 1, well, Mark covered it slightly as well in the book of Mark. He gave a really concise, shortened version of it. Mark chapter 16, verse, starting with verse 17. And these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. That's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? They will speak in new languages. So it was not necessarily an utter shock to these people when it happened on the day of Pentecost because it also kind of happened on the Mount Sinai when the, when the Torah, the law was given. We talked about that two weeks ago. Verse 18, they will pick up serpents and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. How many people have had to pick up some serpents in your life, right? I'm not advocating snake handling like some of the old backwoods stuff. So I remember... We used to live in North Carolina when I was a kid, and my, you know, my mom found out there was a revival taking place at this church. Man, we were out in the middle of the boonies somewhere, and worship was going on about midway through. Now, this was like the backwoods of North Carolina, right? Midway through, all of a sudden, they started pulling the snakes out. Woo, man. And, and that's, there, there's, there are, there are uh, some remote areas where folks will say, hey, let's handle these snakes, or let's drink strychnine, mainly because of the stri scripture. And... Uh, what I have to say about that is I think the Holy Spirit gives you far more wisdom than to be doing stupid stuff like that, personally. <laughs> but, uh, but at the same time, there are some things in life that can reach out and bite you, right? There are some things in life that can be toxic and poisonous that sometimes you're, you, you, you get exposed to, some, some attitudes and some relationships and situations. And yet through it all, he's saying, no, no, hey, these are those, those who are walking with me, you're going to be immune to this stuff. It says, uh, they will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. They're going to recover. Amen. I very much believe in the healing power of God. Okay. Uh, so then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken all this stuff, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God. So this was Mark's quick interpretation of the ascension of God. Well, what is he saying here? He's saying the exact same thing he said in Acts. On, on that particular interpretation of the ascension, he's saying, hey, you're going you're gonna to do some powerful things, some powerful things. You're going to have some incredible power to walk with me here in the, in the coming days, right? So let's talk about this promise fulfilled, okay? It all started on the day of Pentecost. This is where it all started, where the Holy Spirit would now begin to be poured out upon all flesh. Why does he want to do that? Because he just got through saying in Acts chapter 1, he said, look, uh, he, says, he says, you're going to receive power, power after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What kind of power? Paul talks about the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead gets to quicken our mortal bodies. 
So think about it. The same Holy Spirit that empowered Christ's body. Think about it. A man who's been dead for three days, inanimate for three days. It's going to take some major power to resurrect that. And yet that's the same Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Why do we have an excuse to be downtrodden? Why do we have an excuse to be defeated? Why do we struggle with the things that we struggle with? When the same power that resurrected Christ is in us. Surely, surely it's powerful enough to resurrect us from our old sinful life, right? It's powerful enough to change our ways, to change our methodologies, to change our speech, right? So let's look at this. Acts chapter 2. Uh, we're going to recap this real quick. Kate read some of it. On the day of Pentecost, which is just the 50, it means 50, the 50th day after Passover, all the believers were meeting together. Now this is after Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of ton or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Whoop, where do we go? And every, everyone, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that was huge. Everyone. There was about 120 of them up in this upper room. Everyone. Not just an elite few of them. Every single person was able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, in this particular case, they began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This was not anything new. Jesus talked about it. Matter of fact, Isaiah prophesied about it. We just read it, right? Now, what was happening was this. Uh, everyone heard, we're going to hop down to verse 7. Folks heard the calamity, right? And they come running up and they say, how can this be? Uh, these people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native language and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. We talked about that for the last few weeks that on the day of Pentecost, it was phenomenal. Uh, they listed up to 16 languages that that the gospel was being proclaimed in. And we learned that on the day of, of, of Mount Sinai, the first, the first Shavuot, basically, the, after the first Passover, when God gave the Torah, when we, we, we learned that the rabbis teach when he proclaimed the word of God or the Ten Commandments, that, that he was blasting it in every known language at the time, that they heard multiple languages being talked about simultaneously, Right? And it was, it was information overload for some of these guys. That's why they were like, Moses, you keep talking to him, and then you tell us what he's saying, because, man, we, we feel like we're, we're about to die. Well, same thing was happening on the day of Pentecost. Pretty powerful stuff. Uh, now, Peter, Peter, of course, we, Peter goes out and starts preaching, does, you know, talks about the prophet Joel. Hey, this is that which was pro prophesied by the prophet Joel. But then he goes on to say, preach about the gospel. He talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the deity of Christ. He even mentions David, King David, who they believe were, was born on Shavuot and died on Shavuot, which would have been the day of Pentecost, right? Uh, ironically, the upper room is only about 150 yards tops around the corner from where the tomb of David is. And so when he references King David, if you go back and read that, he, he basically is like, hey, David, David is dead in the tomb now, but yet his heir, Christ, has, has come. So, so he, it's really cool to understand that he was referencing something right around the corner. Well, all of a sudden, verse 37 says this, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and other apostles, 
Brothers, what should we do? So he gets through preaching this message on the day of Pentecost after this incredible empowerment took place, right? All of a sudden, they received whatever power they needed to proclaim the gospel. Not only do that, they were proclaiming it in languages they didn't even know. So what should we do? Peter replied, it sounds very similar to what John the Baptist said when he baptized with water. You remember John the Baptist? We, We read it and he said, hey, I baptize people who have repented of their sins and turned to God. Well, that's what Peter says. Hey, each of you must repent of your sins. That word repent is a military term. It means an about face, a turning away. It also means to rethink, think and then think again. If you, if you look up the root word of it. So, so in other words, you need to rethink your life and you need to turn away from some things. He says, repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, we, we teach this here that, the first, that, that one of the first acts you, sh- you should do when you first come to Christ is to be baptized in water. And by baptism, we mean we're going to dunk you. <laughs> we're going to get you all the way under, right? Uh, why? Because it is an outward expression. The old you gets buried with Christ and you're risen again as to something new. It's an outward expression of what Christ is doing inside. You're dying out to yourself. You're dying out to your old self. Christ is resurrecting you into something new and empowering you. It took the Holy Spirit to raise Jesus from the dead. It takes the Holy Spirit to raise you from your sinful, deadly ways, right? So that's what he's talking about. He says, hey, if you'll do this, then you will receive this gift, this promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on to say, this promise is for you, for your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. I love how powerful it was. If you hop to verse 41, it says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 and all. So all of a sudden, we went from just having a home church to a mega church in one day. That's pretty powerful. And it started changing the way things were, were done. All of a sudden, the whole city of Jerusalem started getting turned on its head, right? And it all took place after they received the promise. What was the promise? The promise was the Holy Spirit. And what was the Holy Spirit? It was the empowerment of God into the believer's life. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this today is I want to, I want to take a moment and share from my own experience. Uh, we all come from different denominational backgrounds here, different backgrounds of faith. And some folks are more demonstrative with their worship. Some folks are more quiet with their worship. Some folks came from, uh, you know, some of you, some of you came from a place that teaches grace, grace, grace. Others come from a place that teaches faith, faith, faith. Some come from a place that teach reverence, reverence, reverence. All, you know, we, look, we, we all got a lot of different teachings and we've come together for whatever reason God has brought us together at this place that we're calling Gathering Church, this wonderful fellowship. And that's what's beautiful about it is all we're saying is, hey, let's all get together and worship Jesus and let's lift up his name and let's grow together in his word and do life together. And you, know, you can call yourself whatever you want. So we got folks here that say, hey, I'm Baptist. We got folks that say, I'm Methodist. Some folks say, I'm Pentecostal. I'm Catholic. I'm this or that. And in all honesty, hey, we're all seekers in Christ. And we're all Christ followers. And, and so we can all glean from stuff. So allow me, if you will, to, to share just from my own experience. And, and, just, and, and what, I, what I pray is, and I have to go through this myself. Sometimes you have to take some, some of your preconceived theological boxes that we've all been taught because every camp has its own little box 
And if, if things don't fit into that box, then we sit there and say, well, pfft, no, it can't be God. And yet God can't be contained in some small little theological box, right? <laughs> you know, we have, here we are, finite minds trying to understand an infinite God. Uh, there's, you know, I grew up from what was called the, the Pentecostal movement, okay? Now, there's a lot of, you know, that, that term uh, uh, creates a lot of different uh, thoughts, images, emotions, opinions, okay? Uh, there are some things that theologically I, I, don't, I would not agree with uh, with some of my grandparents and some of the, some of the other teachings that, that those who came before me had. Uh, I praise God for them. But just where, where I've walked and stuff, I, I would have to just uh, respectfully, uh, respectfully disagree. But one thing that I, did, that I did learn from a very early age is that the Holy Spirit is so real, so tangible. It's not just some ecclesiastical thought with, ah, oh, yes, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit is very much the presence and power and Spirit of God who is very much living within you. If you are very much an active, an active believer in Jesus Christ, now whether you've allowed him to be active in your life or not has been up to you. Perhaps it's because maybe you've never been taught or you've never been shown or you've never experienced. But I'm telling you, that there, there is a tangible, real presence of God that is alive and well and working in you and you can know him, you can experience him, you can, you can uh, he, he will begin to take over your life. Uh, it is very much when he says that the, the Holy Spirit fills you, it is very, it's a possession. <laughs> it's very much a possession. In, in other words, you know, you hear about demon possession. Well, guess what? That's just a big counterfeit of what God can do with his spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, what's important about it is that not only will he empower you, but he will speak to you, but he's only going to speak what he hears the Father say. So it's a direct line. Well, what's God saying about me? Ask the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, matter of fact, you don't even need a teacher because he is the great teacher that lives within you. Say, well, then what in the world are you being up there, Dave? I don't know what I'm doing up here other than (laughs) proclaiming the word of God. But you don't even, a lot of times we say, oh, come with me to church so you can encounter Jesus. No, you've got the spirit of Jesus right in you. You are the church. You take him wherever you go. And and I'm not asking you to experience him the way that I have, but I'm letting you know that, that there is an incredibly deep and real experience that is available to each and every one of you. And it started on the day of Pentecost. And, and, and that it, it, can, it can be life-altering, it can be life-changing. There are times that you can actually physically feel him. There are times you will physically, audibly hear him. There are, there are miracles that he has empowered you to do. There's gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. There are fruits that you get to bear from the Holy Spirit. We're going to get into that over the coming weeks. But in my personal walk... My personal life, I was, I, was, uh, I was eight years old when I gave my heart to the Lord. I asked Jesus to be Lord of my life at eight years old. And I knew I was hungry for him. I knew I, I, wanted, I wanted him. I had a precious Sunday school teacher. Uh, she's still alive. She's, she's in her late 90s. Her name is Hazel Gay. And the reason why she's in her late 90s is because God's still trying. He's not quite ready yet, right? Because he understands that when, he, when she does get to heaven, He's taking a big, deep breath because when she gets to heaven, she's going to complain about everything she sees up there, right? <laughs> and if any of her family's watching, they'll be amen in me right now. She's a precious woman, but she was very unique. 
And it doesn't matter. She could teach about Samson. She could teach about Joseph. She could teach about anything on Sunday school. But by the end of the sermon, man, she had all of us scared to death. We were about to go to hell that week, so we're going to live on the straight and narrow. I mean, she was one of those types, right? Fire brimstone woman. But, but she had a heart to see children seek after God. And at eight years old, I gave my heart to the Lord. Not at, at, shortly after that, I was baptized in water. And I remember being a part of a prayer. She had us all praying at nine years old. I was nine years old. And all I remember, I wasn't seeking anything from God. I wasn't seeking some supernatural experience. I wasn't seeking anything. All I knew is I was just so hungry for him. And at nine years old, I was just, God, whatever it is that you have, I want it. I want it. I want to experience your power. I want you to, I want you to use me. At nine years old, right? At nine years old, no prompting or anything, I, something came on me. And all I know how to describe it is it's powerful. And there was some, it was, it was energy, it was power, it was something. And, and all I knew is I was, I was praising them in English one second. And I know this may not mix with some folks' theology. But the next second, every time I would open my mouth to praise them, there was something that came out, a different language I didn't understand. I had no idea what was going on. I was praising them in second chapter of Acts, in tongues. Was it, a, was it an earthly language? I have no idea. I would love to hear a recording of it. But at that moment, it was something I couldn't control. When they said the Spirit of God gave them utterance or the Spirit of God enabled them to do it, it was not something I could control. It was just, I was trying to open my mouth to talk, to ask Sister Hazel Gay, what in the world's going on with me? And every time I would open my mouth, there was this glorious, beautiful language. And it was this encounter, this, it, it was physical, it was spiritual, it was emotional, it was intellectual, it was everything simultaneously. And when I started reading about how the rabbis teach uh, the encounter at Mount Sinai, that when they heard God speak, they could hear it, they could smell it, they could taste it, they could feel it. it that's why they freaked out over it, right? That was the same kind of encounter. It was my personal Mount Sinai moment. And, and the Holy Spirit became so real to me, okay? I don't know if you'll ever encounter him like that. Maybe you have, maybe you will. Uh, my, if you've not, what I encourage you to do is just seek him. Don't, don't worry about seeking signs and whatever. Seek him and just say, Lord, I want everything you have for me. And since then, he's become so real. And, and here's, the, here's the crazy thing about your faith walk. Every time you experience God in, in some kind of immaculate way, you're going to bump into someone who's going to want proof. Give me proof. And that's the thing about faith. You can't always give physical proof, but you know it. You know what you encountered. Well, prove it. That's the beauty of it. It's a personal relationship with God. At 16 years old, I've talked about it before, I had another incredible spiritual encounter with God where the Lord mapped out what he wanted to do with me some of which didn't get fulfilled until 33 years later for me to stand up here in front of you guys. But yet God fulfilled it. But it was such a real encounter. Well, what, what did it do? It empowered me. It empowered me to live my life. And it's the Holy Spirit that will let you go through picking up serpents at times and drinking poison at times. Metaphorically speaking, I'm not advocating, please don't drink poison. Someone say, you don't drink the coffee I drink. It's poisonous every day, you know. Uh, I, I want to I point something out. Matthew chapter 3. Let's go back there. With, this is John the Baptist. He said, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So he's going to bury you with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. 
Now, some of you, I, I noticed I'm seeing some of y'all, some of you, some of y'all got a twitchy eye going on because you're worried because, because I, I talked about that. I prayed in tongues when I was a child or whatever. Say, so do, I, do I believe in the gift of tongues? Yes, I do. Okay? They're just, just as much as I've had people show me scripturally that it's not there, well, I, I can show you scripturally that it is there. Okay? It is, it, there are gifts of the Spirit. Tongues and the interpretation of tongues being one of them. Now, the, the problem is, is folks have abused it. Folks have sensationalized it. It's become a show. Uh, it's not been done in proper order. The, the Word of God teaches proper order and what it's all about. Uh, but it's not, a, it's not a crazy thing. As a matter of fact, Paul says, we'll learn about it in weeks to come. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. But he who prophesies or proclaims the word of God edifies the whole body. In other words, I could get up and have some kind of spiritual encounter right now and speak in tongues and leave and go, woo, man, I had church. And you guys would be like, what in the world just happened? You know, It wouldn't have edified you guys at all. So what purpose would it serve? But the, the real purpose is to get up and, and use gifts that, that bless others, right? Uh, but at the same time, at the same time, what I'm saying is be open for whatever God has in store for you. I don't know what you're going to encounter in, in, in God. But I, will, I do know this. He will empower you to do whatever it is he needs you to do. If you need to prophesy over someone, guess what? He will empower you to prophesy. If he wants someone healed and you're standing there, he will empower you to heal. Does it mean that you're going to start a healing ministry? No. It means that he will empower you for whatever need is right there. If he needs you to speak a word of encouragement, he will empower you to do that. Say, well, what, what about this tongues business? If there is a need for you to speak it, he'll empower you to do it. It's how the, however the Spirit wants you to do. But notice this. He will baptize you or bury you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because that empowers you. For what? For anything you need to do in life. Say, Lord, the Lord just put me in a job, and I don't even know how to do this job. He'll empower you to do it. He'll give you supernatural knowledge to do it. He'll allow you to, quote, speak in tongues. In other words, you'll, you'll be speaking with terminology on that job that you didn't even understand the day before, but now it makes sense to you, you know? But then there's another baptism that he talks about. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, and then he's going to baptize you with what? Fire. Now, see, in the Pentecostal church, we used to get all excited about that because we always associated fire with excitement. Woo! He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire! <laughs> Woo! You know? Got to get on fire for Jesus. That means get excited about things of God. And we should. Nothing wrong with getting excited about things of God. We get excited about touchdowns, and not one touchdown has ever done anything for my sin. So, hey, I can get excited about the Lord, right? Nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you about fire. Woo! Holy Ghost in with fire. Let me tell you about being on fire for Jesus. Guess what fire does? It burns. <laughs> it hurts. It transforms into something different. Your beautiful homes. I could take a match right now and light your beautiful home. And it will transform. No, I won't. I promise, Howard, I won't. <laughs> but it will transform. It will change into something new. So there are times that you, you're going to get dunked and the, he's going to empower you with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because there's also another baptism that you wind up encountering in life at some point and sometimes very often. And that's a baptism by fire. Anyone ever heard that term? You ever get put on a job that you're like, oh, I just got here. Oh, good. Handle all this. What is that? It's a baptism by fire. Well, after about a month of that, what happens? You're a pro at it. You're either going to sink or swim. If you swim, you're going to be a really good swimmer. 
There are times in life that things are permitted to come into your life. Your whole world catches on fire. Why? Because at the end of it, you're going to be something absolutely powerful and transform. Fire always transforms from something solid to something gaseous, free. He'll take, he'll take the things in your life that can be burned up. Two years ago, some of you, some of you watched my life catch, catch on fire two years ago. And, and I've had people, some, some of y'all have been so sweet. You've said, boy, you walked through that with so much grace. And you've, you've had this, and you, you've been so loving, and you've been so patient, and just calm and quiet and all that stuff. Well, that's not me. <laughs> How was I able to survive baptism by fire? Because he loved me enough to baptize me with power. It was not Dave. Let me tell you what I learned about speaking in tongues. Sometimes speaking in tongues means biting your tongue. Because silence becomes a foreign language that you're not used to. And yet God can empower you to say nothing. You want to talk about a heavenly language, as they say. You know? Yet there were times, there were times, some, some of y'all two years ago were so, y'all were so loving, you came in and took care of me. And, and we all know the story of, you know, most of y'all that were here know the story of my townhouse and just how, you know, with just a matter of days, boom, I had a home. Surrounded by love. Well, then what happens? Life. You guys have families. You guys have your own lives. You got to get back to it. What does that, where'd that leave Dave? Exactly where God wanted him, alone. And that was a hard place to be. And there were times that I was, I was picking up serpents and drinking some very poisonous stuff, going through some hard emotions, alone. Well, what happened? Paul, the Apostle Paul says that the Spirit will start making intercession. There were nights I didn't even know what to pray. But God, the Holy Spirit began to pray for me and empowered me to walk through the fire. I am not the man I was two years ago. I haven't arrived, but this version of Dave is spiritually far more full of faith than where I was two years ago because I've seen God do it. And it was because he empowered me with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's all stand. What I want you to get from today is the promise. I want you to understand you have been filled with the promise. And with that, it is the power of God, the Holy Spirit of God, that will empower you if you're like, man, you don't understand what I'm going through today. You don't understand the mountain I'm facing. You have been empowered to see some miraculous things take place. You have been empowered. Matter of fact, you've been so empowered that, that you have a perfect record of surviving stressful days right now. How about that? You've been so empowered that the enemy hadn't taken you out yet. That's some power. That's what I want everyone to know, that the, the tangible, real presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, everyone can experience, everyone can connect with, you may connect and experience it in a way that's totally different from the way that I have, but it's going to be so real to you, and it will be so real that even if you can't prove it to anyone else, you'll know that you know that you know that you know that God has moved in your life. And you'll know that he is real, and you're going to understand the prophet Jeremiah when he says, it feels like fire shut up in my bones, man. It is just, there's something in me that's energizing me, and there's something in me that won't quit, won't let me quit and it was the Holy Spirit of God that 
Two years ago, for months, I would wake up on Sunday morning and, and tell God, I can't do this. Most of you didn't even know what I was going through. But I said, I can't do this. And he said, yes, you can, because I'm alive and well in you. And there were days that Dave was a zombie getting up here, but it was the Holy Ghost that got up and preached his own word. Doesn't mean that there's any, no, it, it meant that I'm weak. But where I'm weak, he is strong. That's the promise. If he'll do it for a knucklehead like me, he'll do it for each and every single one of you. He will empower you to live the most successful version of you that he can. And there's nothing, even when you're baptized by fire, that's going to knock you down. Amen. Let's all pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being real. I thank you for being tangible. I thank you for being empowering. I pray that your word, Lord, that the promise that you have given us wasn't just for the day of Pentecost, but your power is real and alive. Lord, over the coming weeks, as we learn about your fruit, as we learn about your gifts, we pray that you manifest them according to your order, according to your will, and according to your glory, so that your saints can be strengthened and empowered to further and complete the race of, of gathering church that you've called us to, here, right here in Viridian and in, in the greater area. We just want to take the, this last song and lift you up, God, so that you receive all glory today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.